Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Lord, thank you for snow. Uh, just you know, another season's come, God. It's just another year that we're here. And I just pray, uh, Lord, that you would just be so present here. God, your word says that you are here. We're two or three are gathered in your name. You're there among them. And God, uh, man, that we're living stones, that when we roll together, we create the temple. And I just pray that you would move in real and mighty ways, God, um, that you would show up in whatever ways people need um, for the hard-hearted, the broken-hearted, the lost, uh, the distracted. Um, I just ask that you would uh, show the reality of who you are to everyone here. In Jesus Christ, well, Father, I also need your help. Help me to preach your word and preach it well. I give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Anyway. Hey, welcome to The Remnant. My name is Todd. I'm the pastor here. So my first time preaching a non, uh, there it is, a non-culture uh, war series. I think that ended up being like 12 to 14 weeks or something. It was a long one. And it's not over. It may pop up periodically when culture demands it. So in the meantime, uh, we're moving on. Um, <clears throat> I got a question for you guys, and I, we're coming, we're after Thanksgiving, we come, but the holiday season is upon us, right? We got family things, we've got work, it's all, you know, trying to finish things before the end of the year. Who here, and I'm telling you, don't fib, because I know you guys, and you, you say this all the time, who here would say they have a pretty busy life? Raise your hand. Nice. The rest of you that Better not have said you were busy one time this week. Uh, who feels like, now this is kind of related to that, who feels like, based on life means, okay, who thinks life's like a roller coaster, like you're just holding on? Okay. Who feels like sometimes that you're just trying to, about midday, midweek, you're just trying to like make it through the week. You've sort of given up, you know, making it delightful. You haven't even, I didn't even finish the sentence and hands went up. You knew what I meant before I even explained it. Yeah. <clears throat> Right, you come into, maybe you start the work week, is this ever happening? You start, it's a Monday, you wake up, you're like, I'm going to be positive this week, I'm joyful. By noon, that's gone, right? And you've already, you've checked out and you're like, I'm just going to wait, I'm holding my breath till, till Friday, right? I get it, that's a normal occurrence. Who here has what you would call, now don't raise your hand so I'm finished. Actually, go ahead and raise it. Who has what you would call social anxiety? You think you're a socially anxious person. You know what's funny about this? I love making fun of guys because, like, very rare do guys admit they're socially anxious. Uh, I know you guys. Some of y'all are socially anxious, okay? But I'll say, what does that mean? That means when you're in a situation where there's a big crowd or maybe you have to speak in front of people or you're having to deal with people, maybe sometimes it's just a person that, like, you is grumpy, someone you think there's going to be conflict with, someone you, you just don't like talking to, you're intimidated by, you get anxious, and then you start thinking, okay, now this is, I'm going to show the human experience. You start going, can they tell that I'm struggling to pay attention? You ever have that thought? Why are they looking at my forehead? Am I, why am I looking at their forehead? Right? You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> and, yeah, social anxiety is a real thing. You start thinking about how you're coming off. Make sense? So who has ever thought about in a conversation? I wonder how I'm coming off right now. How it look? Okay, and the rest of you don't tell the truth. Yeah. So... That's okay. I want you to watch this clip because it's really interesting. This is psychologist. Anyone know Jordan Peterson? Pretty famous right now. Became pretty famous guy, psychologist. He got famous in, he's from Canada, because um, this is, he refused to, they have a law in Canada, you can actually be charged for not calling someone their proper pronoun and stuff. And he, um, not a believer, though I would say he is a person of peace. I mean, he's open to Jesus for sure. 
and he believes there's value in Jesus. But he, purely on an intellectual stance, said, I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous. Because then I could say, I could make you call me king, and you would have to do it. You get what I mean? So that's how he sort of became famous. But he's a very intelligent guy. And he is on a podcast here and talking about social anxiety. So let's watch this for a second. If you're feeling social anxiety in a situation, part of the reason for that is because you're thinking about how you're feeling, what you should be doing. So here's an interest, here's something very interesting. Mm -hmm. If you look at what people say and what they write and you take the words they use and you analyze them and you look at how many times they refer to themselves, the more they refer to themselves, the more likely they're to be, they are to be depressed or, psych or psychotic. Mm. Right, you can actually distinguish with 75% accuracy between people who are clinically depressed or clinically psychotic and people who aren't by the number of times they refer to themselves. Literally, the more you think about yourself, the more miserable you are. Literally, they're that tight. So, so what you do if you're in a situation that's social and you get anxious because you start thinking about, you know, you start sweating and yeah. you wonder how you're looking is yeah, are my legs the same length. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so what you try to do is you try to make the people around you more comfortable. You switch your attention. It isn't that you have to stop thinking about yourself because you can't. If you stop thinking about yourself, you're thinking about yourself and you'll right. fall into that pit. But if what you decide to do is pay way more attention to the other person mm -hmm. and try to make them comfortable, mm -hmm. then that social anxiety will disappear right away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good technique. Hello, okay, it works. That's pretty fascinating. So if you didn't catch that, those of you that zoned out, uh, <clears throat> it's fascinating to me. So psychology, right? Psychology, science, there's no morality in it. It's just facts. It has found that there is a direct correlation. Boy, this is, should worry some of us here. A direct correlation between how much someone spends, how much time someone spends thinking and talking about themselves and depression and anxiety. Did you catch that? That makes some of you go, am I psychotic? I know you did. Some of you are like, I'm, you're counting it up. Yeah. <clears throat> so then, even more fascinating to me, and that kind of makes sense, right? Believe it or not. When you're thinking about yourself, you're picking yourself apart usually. You're focused on whether or not it creates anxiety. Because here's the truth. If I'm talking to Grant, and I'm trying to figure out, uh, and he's sharing something with me, and I'm thinking about, I don't know, my forehead, Right? I've already, not only have I already created anxiety, but I've made this more awkward because we do pick up on it and it just continues this cycle, right? <clears throat> but what's even more fascinating is they found that, that they found something that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And if you're a scientist in the room, you're not a believer. I know some of you are. That's okay. You're welcome. I want you to consider this. The more we think about making other people comfortable, so in that situation, the less I think about making myself comfortable, the less I think about whether or not I look good, sound good, what, what they think of me, and the more I worry about and think about if I'm making them comfortable, making them feel safe, making them feel secure, <clears throat> the less anxious I am. Did you catch that? So I'll say it again. This goes against. The, the more we think about other people, the less anxious we are. Now, you anxious people, right, what do you spend the most majority of your time doing? Is it, if you're honest, is it thinking about other people? No. Thinking about your own failures, thinking about your own faults, thinking about all the things that you've done wrong. So, but here's the crazy thing. How can it be that humans in general, coming from all these different backgrounds, all these different religions, all these different uh, socioeconomic status, all this stuff, that all of them have this in common? The, the more... I focus on making other people's lives in other situations better. 
the less anxious, and actually, because lack of depression obviously means happier, right? The more happy I am. Why is that? Well, I think it's because no matter how much we, and I mean the world, wants to deny it, we are created in the image of our God. So some of you in the room are like, I don't believe in God. That's okay. He believes in you. And it doesn't matter if you think you're not created in his image because you don't believe in him. That doesn't change anything. You have traits that come from the very fact of who your father is. You may not like your parents, and you could sit there and deny and argue with and say, ah, but, but you're not crazy enough to go, that's not my dad. That's not my mom, right? When Take my daughter, for instance. She looks a lot like me. She can say it all she wants, but she looks like me. <clears throat> We are creating the image of our God. And so what does that mean? Well, our God is loving, kind. He's not self-seeking, believe it or not. How can he be self-seeking, right? Well, yeah, we have to worship him, blah, blah, blah. No, that's just natural. If I go out in the sun, I'm going to get sunburned. In the presence of a holy, all-powerful God, worship comes. But the reality is, is that he's not self-seeking or he wouldn't have come here. He wouldn't make an effort to restore relationship, to have a relationship with you, with me, when we have rejected him and continue to reject him weekly, daily. He can't be. I, I almost, I might not try twice with someone, right? <clears throat> so if our God is loving, kind, not self-seeking, our creator, it's, why, it's, it, it's wired into our very being. We can't help it. Think about that. It's why when we act out of our nature, which is what? Self-focused, anxiety-ridden, inward-focused, meaning all I'm thinking about is me, 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 the less happy I am. That's because we're fish out of water then. Because we're meant to be outward-focused, loving, pouring into a room, pouring into a person. We are wired into our being to flourish when we act like our Father and Creator. I asked a little bit ago if everyone or anyone feels overly busy. Bunch of you raised your hand. I then said, okay, how many of you are just trying to make it through the day? Bunch of you raised your hand, right? You might wake up, I said you're in a good place, and by lunch, you feel like you've been in a boxing match. Sometimes before it's even lunchtime, you roll over and look at that person that you're like, I love you, and they are, you know, grumpy and snoring in your face, and they smell funny, you know what I mean? All the spouses looking at each other, don't do that. Grumpy coworkers, fights with spouses, girlfriends, boyfriends, arguing with your children and parents, that jerk at school. By noon, you might have given up trying to be positive. What's the point? It feels like everything's stacked against you. So then the cycle kind of happens. You come positive into a negative situation. That situation beats you down. It steals your joy, sucks it away. And then guess what? You end up walking off and perpetuating the cycle. Now I'm going to go into situations and I'm going to suck the joy because they're not going to be able to be joyful if I can't. That's what we do, let's be honest. What if we stop doing that? Okay? What if we stop justifying our behavior and how we interact with this world by basing it on how the world treats us? What if I stopped walking around and said, and Listen, Christian, long-term Christians, take your earmuffs off because you're like, I get it, blah, blah, blah. You don't get it because I worked at a restaurant, Hacienda. You ever been there? Raise your hand. I know the song still. It's your birthday. I can do it right now, right? <clears throat> I remember distinctly they hated working Sundays because you Christians, and I'm one of them, are grumpy, 
You don't tip well. You complain all the time. That's reality. Anybody here work as a server or waitress? Keep your hand up if that wasn't true at your work, that people thought that. That's what I thought. Thank you. Yeah, that's embarrassing. Why is that? Because we start to think, well, they're doing it, I'm going to do it. i got to take care of me. What if we stop doing that? What if we stop trying to just be like a, you know, a paper sailboat? You know, I, I don't know how to make those, but you get what I mean. It's on the water, and it just goes wherever it wants. I can say I'm going to go to AJ, but honestly, the cur- I'm going to go wherever the current takes me. Because why? Why do people do that? It's easier. It's easier to go with the current. It's easier to blame everyone else when you have a bad day rather than say I have some control over how I approach my day, even when circumstances are stacked against me? What if we stop trying to make it through and instead actively try to leave every situation better than we found it? You ever heard that phrase? Uh, Happens a lot in sports. So you have a coach, right? He comes in and he's tearfully saying his goodbyes, right? Or not. Sometimes he gets fired, and he's, it's not good. But either way, I've heard it so many times. You know, I can at least go to sleep tonight and say that I've left this situation better than I found it. Our recruits are better. You know, we're winning, blah, blah, blah. And they just start saying all the positive things that happen. Politicians do it all the time, too. These last four years, right, here's all the good things that I made up that happened. I'm just kidding. Anyway, <clears throat> business, it's the same thing, right? You come in, you got hire a new CEO. What's he supposed to do? He is supposed to make that place better than he found it. The reason I say that is like there's something in us that knows there is the, the worth of a leader, the worth of, I don't know, uh, the way that we judge value is based on not how we find a situation, but how we leave it. Makes sense or am I losing you? Give me a nod or something, yeah? Okay, some of you are like, yeah. All right, the question is, If we're going to leave something better than we found it, we should probably know what better is. What is better? Now, again, in the church today, this is what you're all going to say. That means we love everyone. That's true, but then that becomes a cop-out because you don't really define love, and that's why you get discouraged because you're like, I'm going to go in loving, and you feel like being nice. And then when that jerk coworker or classmate or someone does something, all of a sudden the feeling goes away, and you're like, well, clearly I don't need to love them anymore, or God would keep that feeling. You get what I'm saying? What, what is better? What does it look like? How does God view better? If you have your Bibles, turn to John 8, 12. We're going to kind of go on a little trip here. Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12. You guys asleep today? Is it the snow? You're hibernating already? First snow of the year? That's what it is. I, t- I pulled in today and I said, ain't nobody going to be here. Right? Because it's cold and we got to go out in the cold. It's a long winter. Get ready. <clears throat> when you got to say, I got it. All right, it's going to be on the screen. Ah, I tricked you. Man, you're supposed to wait till I say tricking them or whatever. Anyway, Jesus spoke to them. Pretty simple. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but have the light of life. Now, again, in Christianity, we have a tendency to say, here's Jesus saying he's the light of the world. I get it. He brings light to the dark. What does that mean? Come tell me what it means to bring light into darkness. Right? Well, that means he brought eternal life. Yeah, 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 that's, that's true. But what does that mean? He didn't just say, I came to bring life, right? That's at the end of the sentence. We'll have the light of life. This light leads us to eternal life. We know that, right? You with me? Guys, you got to give me something. I promise you I will quit and go home, right? Yeah? 
See, Gina, I'm being nicer. <laughs> um, anyone, who <laughs> anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness but have the light of life. What does light do? Well, light lets us see. Light makes us feel safe. Yeah? And sources of light do bring warmth, even a light bulb. You ever go put your hands around a light bulb? You're warmer. It brings warmth. <clears throat> the Bible, when, when Jesus uses analogies, when he uses parables and symbolism, the Bible in general, there's a lot to it. And it's easy in church because we've been trained, and it's not bad to say eternal life. That's true. But it goes beyond that. How do we know? Okay. He says, I am the light of the world. Agreed? That's what it said. All right. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. Famous verse. Same famous section. He said, I am the light of the world. Right? All right. Go ahead and throw it up. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. I thought he said, I'm the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. I'm already losing people. You came here today to find out how to get a good girlfriend, right? Yeah, I got some of you. I got you. I saw it, right? That's next week. Show up. I'm lying. It's not going to be next week. <clears throat> So this is fascinating to me, and I, I kind of knew it, but I never put it together. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, and then he flips it and says, you are the light of the world. Then he says something crazy here. He doesn't say, turn the light on. If you're in this room, you say you're a Christian. Here's what's interesting. You're, you, you have light regardless. You're supposed to. You can't turn it on and off, but what you can do is hide it. You can say, I don't want to give light to everyone else. I want to put something over it. I want to cover it. Why? Why would someone put a light under a basket? Put a lamp under it. Why would they do that? Because they don't care. I have light. I'm light. I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about putting it up for everyone else to see. I have what I need. And then he goes on and says, let your light shine before others. Here's a correlation. So that they may see your good works. Your light equates directly to your works, your good works, the good things you do toward other people. You cannot say that you have a light on a lampstand and not be sharing light and good works and doing things for other people. It's impossible. Now, everyone's already thinking, well, I'm a pretty good person. Remember what I said before, the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Non-Christians love people sometimes. They do. They love them well. But the difference is we have the choice to love when we don't want to. I'm going to blow your mind. Some of you in this room that aren't Christians say, I'm a really good loving person. No, you're not. I'm sorry, you're not. You probably are when you're feeling loved. But agape love, God-like love, is a love that we are called to give that has nothing to do with what we get in return. That's a lot harder. That's why it's put right there in the section of 1 Corinthians with spiritual gifts because you can't do it on your own. We can barely do it with God, right, sometimes because we can choose to put it under a, a lampstand. We are called to love people. So Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Then he flips it and says, you're the light of the world. Why? I am in you, you are in me. So here's the question. Before I could go, I can end right here. 
If you are called the light of the world and he's called the light of the world, what's the implication about how you're supposed to treat people, Isaiah? Ooh, I got him. He's like, he's off on his own world. You don't even know what you see. He's gone. I'm coming back. What does it mean? See, I might call you anytime, Eli. You got to be ready. Right? Nayana, you love when I say your name publicly, right? <laughs> she doesn't. That's the question. I'm going to say it again. If he's the light of the world and he calls you the light of the world, what's the implication? Should you act different? Guys, you must be like the, 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 the cold has frozen your brains today, right? Here we go. Light and light. What should they look like? The same. Thank you, AJ. The only one today, man. Right? <clears throat> Just kidding. <laughs> so if I told you that you are to leave the world, to brighten the world the way Jesus did, not kind of. It doesn't say you're kind of like the light of the world. You are the light of the world. So the standard is not kind of like Jesus. The, the standard with which you are held and supposed to be and the effect that you have on this world is the same as Jesus' effect on this world. So if that's the case, I want you to think about your last 24 hours. How much light did you bring to dark rooms? Dark situations, hurting situations, scary situations. Did you come in and make things brighter or did you come in and make things darker? I'll catch the people in the middle. Well, I didn't really do either. That's not true. It's either light or dark. You either brought a lamp in the room or you didn't. Which did you do? Okay, so what does that mean? Matthew chapter 4. It's a chapter before. And what's interesting about this, it's right after the temptation. So Jesus gets led on the wilderness for 40 days, right? 40 nights. He's hungry. He's, he's thirsty. Um, he had nothing to eat. He's tired. As soon as he comes back, he walks back to town, finds a couple fishermen, says, follow me, and then this happens. Four, starting in verse 23. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Then the news about him spread through Syria, so they brought to him all those who were afflicted. What's afflicted mean? Fancy word. Hmm? Yeah. Anyone suffering. Those suffering from various diseases and intense pains, the demon possessed the epileptics and the paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So he comes all over Galilee. So he's going places, and when he goes somewhere, he teaches, and he heals, and he helps. Then people hear about it, and they start bringing people to him. He's already helping other people. He stops and helps and heals and teaches them. And then all of a sudden, as he does that, it spreads to everyone else. And what? People, he leaves, and it says they started following him. Why? Because they needed help. And he healed them. But you don't have time at work, do you? You don't have time to slow down and say hi. You don't have time to care. Right? If they come to you, you'll help them. So if I think about Jesus and what he did, Jesus came into every situation, and he brought light. What does that mean? Well, in places of ignorance, where people didn't know, he told them the truth. When people were sick, he helped heal them. 
when they were afflicted with what? Whatever. He tried to bring, he tried to alleviate their suffering. Now, he had the ability to fully alleviate it. He could heal it, right? Some of us use the excuse, well, I can't heal that, so I'm not going to help. I'll pray for you. That's the great Christian cop-out. You don't view it as an actual first thing to do. Prayer is a powerful thing, but if you just flippantly say it, I don't have time, so I'll say pray for you. Or in today's society, and I'm not mocking this, right? I'm not praying hands. We don't even have time to say praying for you. You know what I mean. There's times you mean it, and there's times you're just putting it so people so it looks like you care. How often after you put the praying hands do you actually pray? Jesus came into situations that weren't good, and he made them better intentionally. And then, right, he had an intent. He went there. When situations came up that maybe he wasn't intending to step into, when he saw the need, he stepped into that too. You ever think about that? You, you Think about it. You go to work, and you do your job. Maybe put it in this. And then someone comes and needs help with their job. So you help the first person. And then by the end of the day, they heard that you helped them, and now everyone from the office or everyone from the plant's coming and asking you for help. How often do you joyfully do that? You got your own stuff to do, right? This isn't to discourage you. It's, it's, I mean, it's discouraging. Wait till the end, right? <clears throat> but we got to face reality. Let's keep going. Let's think about this. Now I'm going to rapid fire you. Okay, so that, that's what Jesus did. He's light. We're light. Here's some examples of how he brought light. He gives us more examples. You ready? I could do hundreds, but Ephesians 2.10. Listen to this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. He created us in Christ Jesus for good works when it was convenient, when I wasn't tired, when I wasn't hungry, when I wasn't sleepy, when I wasn't busy. It doesn't say that. In fact, I would argue that if it's only when convenient, it's not really good. How do I know? How do I know that to love and to be good, right, and to leave a situation better than you found it is going to take sacrifice? We'll talk about it in a minute, but the Bible tells us that. Hebrews 13, 16, listen to this. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. What's the implication? If you want to do good and share what you have, it's going to require sacrifice. If I have to share what I have, that means I'm giving right, of what I have, which means I what? I probably have less afterwards than I had to begin with. Make sense? That's why I hate the phrase, I, I just don't have it in me today, my cup's empty. People just church you mad me all the time. I hate that phrase. I'm sorry if you use it all the time. All right, there's a, there's a time for rest, okay? But I don't call it a cup. Because the implication is, one, you're doing it on your own strength anyway, and you're right, you stink. You can't do it by yourself. But you're trying to act like the God who raised the dead and healed the sick can't give you a little bit more energy to love someone. And then Christian, you know, whatever that book is, I'm about to offend some more people. I'm really not trying to. But like, hey, straighten your crown and fix your makeup and, 
you know, take care of yourself, whatever that book is that was really famous that essentially says be selfish and it's okay because God wants that for you. He doesn't. He said he'll take care of you. You do what I tell you to do and I'll make sure you're filled. And if you do what I tell you to do, you'll never what? Imagine if he said, come to me all who are thirsty and springs of eight ounce water will spring out of you and then when it's gone, you have no more. What does he say? Streams of living water, never ending. What, do you, what does that mean? That's why Christians drive me nuts. We drive, you guys are like, yeah, I understand. What does that actually mean? You think he just picked streams of living water for nothing? There you go. That's why it looks like I don't like Christians. I'm trying really hard. It's because y'all don't, you take, I'm one of you. I'm trying. This is nice. I'm being nice. I'm just telling the truth. All right? I'm being serious. I'm working on this. Because I do come off in ways I don't. I actually do love you guys. All right? No, it doesn't seem that way, but I do. And I'm saying this because God's way is the only way that leads to fulfillment. And I'm not talking about religion's way. So you can follow Christianity and not have life, and that's how it becomes dry, boring, dull. You know, you don't do anything. It becomes a list of things I have to do instead of living life. And that's why I want to wake some of you up, because I sit there and I'm like, the only reason you can fall asleep, it has nothing to do with you having a long work week. It has nothing to do, it's because you're disinterested, because this has become a set of do's and don'ts that you already learned. So you just have to come in and put in your, you know, your time, because you're a good Christian, versus saying, this is the, the words of the living God. All right, let's keep going. Philippians 2.4. We're talking about leaving things better than we found them. Let each of you, right, everyone, I like this version, but we'll go with that. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. There we go again. I want to shake you up. I want you to feel conviction. Do you do that? He's not saying don't take care of your business. Everyone should look not only to his own interests, so there's an implication you've got to take care of your business, but also rather to the interests of others. You think that means just your girlfriend? Make sure she's happy? Hmm? It's not true, right? Your boyfriend? Your husband's spouse? It's more than that. And you're not really meeting their needs because you want to meet their needs. You're meeting their needs so they give you a nice smile and hold your hand and tell you you're cute. We have to, if we want to leave situations better than we found them, we have to be willing to look outside of ourselves and look at what other people are going through, and what would benefit them. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. I'm giving them their 15-minute sermon. Remember I told you that series? I'm doing it. Let all that you do be done in love. Let all that you do be done in love. You want to leave things better? Everything you do, not some things, not in the morning at 8 a.m., but everything you do be done in love. Well, what's love? Well, Jesus wraps it up pretty, pretty, uh, pretty well when he says what? Love others as you want them to love you. Do you want people to snap at you when you have a question? Do you want people to ignore your hurts? Do you want to be uh, invisible to people? Do you want to be scared to ask someone for help? Do you want to feel alone? Do you wish somebody would see you sometimes when life feels so heavy and would come up and just say, hey, I see what you're doing. I know it's hard. You can do it. Do you wish people would do that? 
Do you do that? I'm serious. Let all you do be done in love. Do you want to be disrespected? Here's some specifics too. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another. Ooh, that's a big word. And build up each other as you are already doing. So he's talking to the church in Thessalonica, and the assumption, I like that last one, is like, hey, clearly you're already doing it. Why? Because you're Christians, and Christians should be building each other up. Encourage one another. How often, be honest with yourself, do you go through the day looking for opportunities to encourage someone? How often do you do it? At school, how often do you go talk to the kid that's not cool? You know why you don't? Because you're afraid of how it might make you look. But if you've ever been on the other side of the table, right, the other side, that hurts. That co-work, whatever. What is it? Encourage one another. Build each other up. If there's only two options, what if the options aren't leave someone as they are or tear them down or build them up? What if it's only you're either tearing people down or building them up? Let's pretend that in your life, if I watch your life, that's the only two tally marks I could do. I would judge it based on did you build people up? If not, then you're tearing them down. What would your life look like? Would you have more marks in building people up and encouraging or not? Life is really short, and this hit me several weeks ago, and I'll tell you exactly what I did to kind of maybe help you think of, like, keep this at the forefront of your mind. Jesus came into every situation, and he left the situation better than he found it every single time. Even when he had to tell people truth, when he's arguing with the religious people, right, he actually left the situation better than he found it. Why? Because he told them the truth. He didn't worry about how he would look, whether they would think poorly of him, because he loved them enough to say, even if it makes you hate me, I will tell you the truth. He healed the sick. He talked to uh, the hurting and the lonely. He poured into the outcasts of society. The people that are on the fringes, he looked for them. You have one life. It hit me. I said a few weeks ago, when I started thinking about when I come into a room, do people dread it or do they look forward to it? I'm serious. That will punch you in the face if you really think about it. And I think just as bad as dreading it is are you come into a room and nobody notices. And I'm not talking about being ignored. Nobody notices because you're just about you. What about your family? You only have so many years with your kids. Are they going to walk away thinking that positive things, that you've brought good to their life. I started thinking about my family and my friends. And then, and you guys are on that list, right? Some of you are on my list. And it's like, am I, you know, Lord forbid, if I were gone tomorrow or we had to separate ways, have I done anything to make your life tangibly better? Have you? Because Jesus did. No matter what you thought, when Jesus came into an area and when he left, there was an absence. He changed things. 
And even when I challenge you guys or I challenge Christians, it's not because I hate you and I want you to feel bad about yourselves. I want you to change. I want you to live up to what you've been given. I want you to act like the kings and queens that you are. And if you're not, stop lying to everybody that you're a Christian. Tell the truth. Stop playing the game. I'd rather you not come. I'm serious because at least out there in the world, you can see what it's really like instead of being in the safety of the church. Safety, right? But you're not really safe. You're not saved through association. And so when we talk about these things, you know, the absence of good works, the absence of love, that is an indicator of where you're at in your faith. You can do everything right, but if you don't have love, right? The Bible says, and I'm paraphrasing, if someone says they know God but hates their brother, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. Well, I don't hate anyone. What if the only two options are you love people or you hate them? If you're not motivated to step into a situation, if your eyes don't see the hurting, right? And I'm not talking about we all have ebbs and flows, but I mean, if your life is not focused on that, then have you really met him? That's where I kind of get lost sometimes. Like when I go wrong is when I stop thinking about what he did for me. No matter how hard life has become, and I sit here and, dude, I look at some of you young people, and you think you're so cool, and it's like, I was cooler. And I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. I thought I had it all figured out, and I thought life was, I thought it all. And it was, it's ridiculous. And it's either now or later, or maybe when you're 80 on your deathbed, I hope it comes before, then you're going to be faced with the reality that what you think life is doesn't matter. And you can get mad at me all you want, but it doesn't change the reality. Do you leave things better than you found it? Honestly. And it's not even, like, I'm, here's me being loving. Like, I don't think, I think you guys are good people. I don't know all of you, but I'm going to imagine you're pretty good people. So what happens? If you don't wake up wanting to cause people pain or not wanting to make things better, what happens? Well, you allow situations and emotions to control your actions. You become a reactor in life. You're a pinball, right? Sometimes you go into the grand prize when, it, when, when you get hit just right, but a lot of times you don't because you're waiting for something to happen. You're waiting for life to get better instead of working on and focusing on making other people's lives better and trusting that in that process, God will take care of you. Do you leave the people around you better than you found them. Because honestly, I guess I, mean, I realized that I wasn't. I was convicted because I wasn't leaving situations better than I found them. And I had good intentions, and I have good intentions. But what happens? I start to get reactive, and I start to get frustrated, and I start to, what happens? I start to focus on what I'm not getting and what I am getting, and how people are treating me and what they deserve. You ever think about that? And the moment you start saying what people deserve is the moment you know you're on the wrong path. At least for me, because I never deserve God's grace, his forgiveness, his love, his kindness. Do you want to be different? Do you want to be less anxious? You want to be more joyful? I've said this for years, so it was cool that, you know, Holy Spirit and then Jordan Peterson pops up here and if he says it, it's got to be true, right? Right? 
that when we love other people, we're happier. You don't have time to think about everything going wrong in your life when you're, too, when you're, when you're so busy speaking into, pouring into, and loving other people. You don't have time. You're too tired by the end of the day. I want to be sad, but I'm like, I don't have time to be sad, right? So how do you do it? Do you want to? I'm asking you. You can just nod. Or do, you want to, do you want to leave people and situations better than you found it? If you died today, Lord forbid, what's your legacy? Are you a light bringer or a joy sucker? Right? All right, so I've got a list. I know you love lists. Did someone just go, yes? All right. <laughs> wow, all right. That's all I got to do to make you happy. I got off of that for a while. See you later, Grant. Anyway, <laughs> Grant hates lists. I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. List is better than you found it. How do we leave things better than we found it? Number one, be joyful. And I don't have it on here, but in parentheses in mind, I say show people your reason. Listen. I am by nature, and if you've been at this church long enough, I'm sure you've picked up on this. I am by nature a pessimist, okay? And I justify it by saying, if I expect the worst, I am not surprised. That's really what I do. Uh, <clears throat> some of you, nice, Jocelyn, you're with me on that, yeah. <clears throat> but when I, but so in saying that, though, what I've come to realize is, like, I can choose to be joyful. On a Sunday is a great example. I have bad days. There's days I don't want to be here. That's why I get so mad at you. Listen, if I got to get up here and smile, I, you can smile, all right? I wake up cold and angry and tired and grumpy and don't want to listen to me speak. I get all of that. <clears throat> but you can choose it. You can choose to be joyful. You can choose to show joy when you don't feel it. You know how I know? Because I ain't going to say it. I made fun of you all too much for that. Never mind. And in doing that, it makes people go, what's up with that person? A fruit of the Spirit is joy. Do you know why that is? Because when you live in the reality of, of who we are in God and what's really going to happen in this world, it's easy to be joyful. Amen. Number two. I'm going to go back to number one. Be joyful. Because you guys are like, okay, I want one that's easier. No, choose to be joyful. All right? So I expect to see a lot of smiles at meal today and pretending you like each other. Number two. Look, this is a big one. Look to meet people's tangible needs. This is a big one. So if I walk by and I see someone uh, doesn't have lunch, why do I go, man, I hope, you know, I'm going to pray that someone gives them lunch. Go give them some lunch. If you have a friend who's struggling with finances, and I'm not saying they're manipulative, you know, the people, you know, vampires, I'm not talking about them, but I'm talking about people that you just happen to hear and you want to speak into it and they need 10 bucks for gas, why not give it to them? The only reason you wouldn't is because you're going to start thinking about you don't have the money to get your Chinese or your, your Golden Corral or whatever else is going to come up the next week, right? Is that even around anymore? Okay, good. Look to meet people's tangible needs. If you see somebody sitting by themselves alone and they look down, what would it just look, by, look like just to say hi? I do this a lot. I've told you. I have a heart. I worked in fast food, and I correlate fast food and the gas stations with the same because people are jerks. I intentionally try to slow down, right, and interact and say hi. And when they go, how are you doing? I'm like, how are you doing? And like, how's the, your day been? Sometimes they don't want to hear it. And sometimes they go, oh, you can tell that it, it changes their day. But you don't have time for that, right? 
You got to save that 30 seconds. Look to meet people's tangible needs. That means see, taste, touch. Like, try to actually meet a need. If someone needs help, help them. If someone's getting picked on at school, stand up for them. Don't be a coward. That's practice, right? For a time when the world comes up and says, do you follow Jesus or not? And I do know, I say this a lot, kids in school, I know, like, you know, it seems like adults kind of mock it, but it's real, and that, that, that is your culture. So it's scary to stand up for someone, right, for that kid that gets picked up on, on all the time because then they turn on you. Who cares? Do it anyway because God sees you. Number three, encourage. Did I put the parentheses on this one? I think I did. Look to compliment people and build up. I'm giving very tangible things. I just talked about this last night, ironically. Stop being paranoid. Everyone thinks you're in love with them. If someone looks nice, just say, hey, nice shirt. Hey, you look nice. Ladies, I already know. I can't say that to that guy because he's going to want to marry me, right? That's true. Some dudes do that. Some dudes are like, she said, she said my hat looks nice. I'm going to marry her, okay? Who cares? All right? Or guys, vice versa. If you see someone, that's just an easy thing. If someone looks nice, I do it, and you should see. I'm sure I look like a creeper sometimes. Sometimes, though, I just found out I encouraged someone the other day that I said, hey, you look nice today. <clears throat> right? Because if their pants run zipped, I go, yo, you're, 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 your barn door's open. If I have the time to, if I'd say that, why would I not say, nice shirt? You get what I mean? If I'm going to look at somebody and go, yo, you got a big old booger on your face, why wouldn't I be like, I like your hair? Do you get what I mean? Look for opportunities to do that. You want to know why? Because you like to be complimented. Don't say you don't. Even, uh, even the, the goofy guy, ladies, that comes up and goes, you're really pretty. You might go, oh, my gosh, and then go, mm, right? It still is nice to be appreciated. Guys like that, too. They'll never probably tell you, but they do. Okay, I got, Alex told a story last night. I was around him, and I completely forgot about this. And was that a thing? She goes, I remember that time I told you you had a nice shirt. And Hannah goes, yeah, it is nice. And apparently she said I got awkward. I don't remember this, but I probably did. And I went and cried in the other room after. Like, right? Because I wasn't, I, it's, it's sad that she could see that, but I believe her. I'm sure I was like, really? Like, you're just not used to that. Because the world doesn't do that. Look for opportunities to compliment and stop worrying. Because what is happening when you start going, what if they fall in love with me? What are you doing in that moment? Make it about me again, right? Who cares if they fall in love with you? They don't mean you got to marry them. It's almost like you, some of you ladies especially, like, well, I owe him marriage now, <laughs> right? I've led him on by telling him he has a nice shirt. That's not true. <clears throat> I'll tell you one thing. Drew didn't find a single thing funny today. One of these days, buddy, one of these days. Don't look at her. I'm right here. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> And that's why I don't see Drew often. Anyway, look to compliment and build up. See, Drew, I'll give him a compliment. He's getting pretty jacked. You're getting jacked, dude. See, compliment. <clears throat> look to and compliment and build up. When people are feeling discouraged, take the time to build them up. Right? Because they're probably struggling with the same things you are, thinking things aren't good enough. You ever went to, had a really nice meal at someone's house, and they immediately start telling you, well, I know it's not this, and I'm sorry that it's like that, right? And we kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. What if you actually said, no, I really enjoy this. Thank you. It's really good. Why? Because they're, they're battling those lies in their head. The reason you don't is you don't want to look weird. I can't tell you how many times I heard, well, I don't want to look weird. It's creepy if I say I like this chicken. No, it's not. <clears throat> all right, number four, be actively kind. I, I put actively, can you tell, in all caps. This is what we do as Christians. If somebody comes along my path and they need kindness, I'll give it to them. What if you kept your eyes up and looked for people to be kind to. Active. Love is a verb in the Bible. 
I'm going to move towards people that need kindness. I'm going to be kind. Have you ever met someone like that? Have you ever met someone who is genuinely kind? They don't even, you don't even know, they don't get anything out of it. They just walk around and are kind to people. And it, you're nodding your heads because that made an impact in you. They have left you better than they found you just by being kind to you. Do you think, and, and this is where I got convicted, if I were to poll the people in your life, would I get, would, would kind be one of the words that described you? If not, change that. Be actively kind. Make sense, yeah? Number five. This is a big one. Shine light, don't drain it. Look, be outward focused. See what I'm saying? What I said earlier, look at everybody else. Stop focusing on what you don't have, what you need, what you're not getting, and focus on what you're giving. That takes a mind shift. I'm already losing some of you because you're lazy. I'm just being real, right? We're used to like, I want it easy, but you can't get it easy. Because Jesus said, right, follow me has a cost. Die to self. Crucify the flesh. It's hard to do this, but it becomes easier over time. The more we act like Jesus, the more natural it becomes to act like Jesus. So shine light, not drain it. When you walk into a room, and this is something I'm trying to do, and you guys are going to start holding me accountable to this and saying it because I know how you are. All right, and that's good. I, I try to like, sometimes even back there, I'm gonna, I'll catch myself being negative. I'm like, no, I'll, this is going to sound ridiculous. I look like a psycho. I just smile, right, to, to myself because I'm like getting my mind right of like, hey, let's shift what's going on here. I want to bring positivity to you guys and not drain it. <clears throat> that happens when you become outward focused. If I sit back in the back of this room and think about how tired I am, how disrespected I am, how people don't like me, how someone's going to be annoyed, by, you know, all these things, by the time I get up here, I'm already beat up. Number six, now, this is like my life lately. Slow down and enjoy the ride. If you were here last week, right, I believe it was last week, or the week before, I don't even remember now, when we talked about life is, is behind the lady at the stop sign, right? Life is waiting in line. Life is having, that's life. And there'll come a day when you're taking your last breaths, I hope 100 years from now, that you'll say, man, I wish I had more time to stand in line. Enjoy the ride. Be present. School. I used to hate school, man, at times, right? Like, now I look back, and I'm like, man, I'm probably the only one in the world. I enjoyed high school. You look back on it, and it's like, man, you don't appreciate in the moment. And that has happened with me in every step of the way. Sports, all that stuff. Hey, this is going to be crazy. I used to spend half a practice dreading conditioning. So if you're in sports right now, so I don't know how to get you to do this, but like, Appreciate the conditioning, because there'll be a day when you're like, man, I wish I was out there running sprints with my buddies. Slow down and enjoy the ride. When we slow down, when we stop letting life take us everywhere, it becomes much easier to love people. If you spend your life going, oh, my God, I got this, 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 see, where's the trap? Who are you thinking about when you're thinking about all the things you have to do? It's not a trick. Yeah, AJ, you're the only one, buddy. Thank you for being awake. Yourself, right? It doesn't mean those things aren't important, but... But this is life. You're in a place that doesn't exist yet. The future doesn't exist, and you're already there. How can you be present? <clears throat> Slow down, enjoy the ride. Take a breath. Enjoy the whole process. So I push, you know, I push community time a lot. I'm like, can't tell. I wish I had friends. I'm like, you don't even go to the meal. Well, it's awkward. Okay. 
You want to make friends? It's awkward. Let me tell you some kids, by the way. Uh, adults are very awkward, and they don't know how to make new friends. That's why they don't have any, okay? I'm being honest. Y'all, some of y'all don't have any friends because the truth is, in school, you're forced to be like sit beside each other and share pencils, right? In life, that's not the way it is. So pr- make friends. You know what that's going to take? That might take sitting in a room like a cafeteria and awkwardly sitting there waiting for someone to do it over and over and over, and eventually it becomes more natural. Number seven, this is it, last one. And I said it earlier, act, not react. Choose to live your life not allowing life to sweep you around. You don't have to. If you're a Christian in the room, you are equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Bible tells us, to do these things. To do what? To be joyful, to be patient, to be kind. You are equipped to do it. So if you're equipped to do it not doing it, what does that mean? You're just choosing not to. That's what stinks about our situation. We don't get the excuse anymore. We're just choosing not to. And then wondering why the world goes, well, this don't look real to me. It doesn't change anymore. I want you to start thinking about Christians like, I don't know how much time you have. I hope it's 100 years, but what's your legacy going to be? What do you leave behind? Whether it's at a job and in relationships, sometimes even relationships that don't work out, right? Do you want to leave that person better or do you want to be part of their story of the person they say that jacked them up? You're going to have to be different. You're going to have to choose to be different. So here's something that I did. If you want to do it, do it. And this is real. I can show you right now, prove it on my phone. I made a list of people that I want to make their life better. Like literally, I've said, I'm going to make it my aim to make these. I think I got 20 of them. I got carried away, right? I want to literally make these people's lives better. Now, I want to do it to everyone, but at least that these people specifically are in my rotation a lot. I want to make their lives better. And I have it on here. And I'm going to look for ways, and I look for ways to leave them, leave them and their situations better than I found it. Every day, every single time I interact with them. Start there. If you're like, man, that seems big. What if you just did that? Make a list of 10, five people even that you say, I'm going to make it my mission to leave these situations, these people better than I found it. What if you did that at school? Who are the people that you could be, you could bring light to? It's going to have a cost. Listen, all of this is important, not just because we're called to do that, but because it's also a great reminder of what Jesus, what God does in your life. I know life's hard. I know you're sad. I know things are tough. I'm not going to sit here and tell you your situations are easy, but what I am going to tell you is God has found you if you're a Christian and has left you better than he found you, even if you don't think it. And guess what's crazy? He's not even done making it better. Do you know that? You think that he doesn't see your situation? You think because it's been a little while? You think because it's, it's hard? You think because other people aren't going to deal with it that he's forgotten you? He doesn't do that. He is going to make the situation better. I don't know that. Romans tells us that. He works out all things for the good of those who believe according to his purposes. That's nice words. It's a promise. I don't know what that always looks like. And we even had some guys in men's groups saying, well, that verse means it's always going to mean something I don't want. That's what, right? That's a twist. That's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. 
The bottom line is Jesus is still in this moment. If you're a Christian in the room, and even if you're not, we'll talk in a second. He's bringing light into your life all the time. You're so used to the light that you take it for granted. You forget what it is to truly be hopeless because life feels hopeless sometimes. What was it like before him? Where would you be? He's still in the business of doing that. So the question is, right, his goal is to always leave you better than he found you. In fact, he said, I will finish the good work I've started in you. I'm never going to stop making you and your life better than I found it. Now, that's hard to believe sometimes. I get it. But that's where trust and faith come in. I'm going to leave that up to him, and I'm going to be the active agent to make other people's lives better while I wait for him. You get what I'm saying? I know you're sleepy today, hibernation season. Are you with me? Believe that. Live in the reality that God is in the business of leaving things better than you found it and live your life to do the same for other people. Don't just talk the talk. I mean, seriously, walk the walk. And sometimes people are going to reject you even when you do kind things. And that, that's another like wall, right? I did it and they, they were mean to me. They killed him. We killed him, he still did it. That's real love, right? I'm going to love you even if you don't want it, right? Even if you don't see it. Live your life to do that for others. God makes things better, and he leaves them better than he found them. She's going to come play some music. Here's the bottom line. Some of you in the room, um, life is pretty, pretty tough right now. Life is dark. Or maybe even today's the first time, like, you've let yourself slow down enough to think about, man, I, life is hard. And maybe you've played church. I got a lot of people that do that here at the Remnant, and that's cool. I, I want you to come. You're always welcome. But playing church, right? You come in when you're hungry to get a piece of bread, right? Like on the mountain. You know, thousands, 3,000, 5,000 people were chilling with Jesus on, on that mountaintop listening to a sermon when he's handing out bread. When it was time to go to the cross, they all went away. And that's how you live your life. I'll go when I'm getting from it, but I'm going to leave when I don't need it. And that ends, creates this cycle, right, of disappointment and hurt and highs and lows. And that's because the truth is you never really accepted him. You've never really come to him and said, I'm tired of doing my th things my way. The gospel is really simple. We've messed up. We've done a lot of bad things. And because of that, we deserve what we get. We deserve punishment. The Bible says the wages of sin are death. We've earned that. Hell is a real place. It's a place where God is not. It's the complete absence of him. And you can sit here and say you don't believe in it. And I use this corny analogy a lot. That's cool. But you can say you don't believe in gravity. Go ahead and go up in a building and jump off and see what happens. I don't believe. You've been lied to to say that your belief dictates reality. That's not truth. So we're in a bad situation. And out of that situation, being separated from God because we walked away from him, we're sad, we're depressed, we're lonely, we're broken, we're hurt, uh, we're insecure. We go from thing to thing and body to body and person to person trying to find something to fill that hole. And it's an unending cycle. And you know if it's you. And that's because you're going to the wrong places. You're going to the eight ounce cup for water and then wondering why is there no more water? Jesus is the only one that can fulfill what you've been looking for. It doesn't matter if the, the voice in your head that says that's not true or all the reasons why it isn't. Jesus Christ 
is the way, the truth, and the life. And today is not a coincidence that you're here. It's not. I may never see you again. You don't even have to like me. It's very easy not to. But the truth is, you're here for a reason and a purpose in this moment right now today. God loves you so much that had you come to a little church in Columbia City, Indiana, to hear this, to hear how much he loves you and that he wants to restore you. He wants to heal you. He wants to fix the broken pieces of you. He wants to make you secure and he wants to forgive you of the sins and mistakes. He wants to wash away the shame that you live with every day and he offers you the chance to have that right now today. It doesn't take a magic spell. It doesn't take a a weird ritual. What it takes is humility on your part to come to God and say, forgive me for what I've done. I want what you have. I may not get it all, Lord, but I believe The Bible says if you confess with your lips, you say it, and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. That just means really simply, you believe he is who he said he is, and you admit you need him, turn away from your life and follow him. You don't have to have it all fixed. You don't have to worry about whether you'll stop that addiction or whether you'll stop that poor relationship. You don't need to worry about any of that. The decision you have today is, is Jesus who he said he was? That's it. I was you. I was in the crowd, I didn't grow up in church, and someone said something, the same thing to me, and I'm gonna say to you what they say to me, and I do it every few months, but it's, it meant something to me. You don't have to be afraid. Someone behind me told me that they could tell. I don't know how, that I was afraid. I wanted it, but I was afraid. How I was gonna look, what it was gonna seem like. Everyone's gonna see me as I walked. They're gonna see my sin. You don't have to be afraid. It's your life. It's your eternity. There's gonna be people up here willing to pray with you for you to confess with your lips. It's real, listen to me. It's real. This is real. This is real. Your life will change and he will make it better than he found it. But you gotta be willing to walk away from the way you've been doing life. And those of you in the room, Christians, you've been living your life selfish. I'm I'm serious. You've been living your life lazily, waiting to die. Every day is just wake up, go to work, come home, go to sleep, wake up, get up, you know, help, go to church every now, blah, 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 blah. Is that life? Do you feel content? Let me tell you something. You're sinning just as much as anyone else. People don't like that, but you are. You've been given a talent. Remember the parable of talents? You've been given a life. You've been given gifts. You've been given a ministry, and you've decided to play it safe and do nothing with that. Repent. Stop. Bring light to dark places. Be intentional. Be active. Look for ways to be Jesus to the people around you. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in, because if you do, you're choosing to.